Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream. I'm Aaron Schatz, the editor-in-chief of Football Outsiders, joined today by Mike Tanier, as always, for our Thursday game preview shows. And Tom Gower is joining us today to talk about this week's games. Uh, I'm back from my vacation. I'm back! Hello to all you live stream regulars who may have missed me over the last few days. Thank you for watching us on YouTube and Twitch, Facebook, Twitter, in the corner of our website where we have the little widget. I uh, want to remind everybody to please subscribe to the show and check us out every day at 1 p.m. Eastern. And a uh, limited time offer, Football Outsiders FO Plus, to get all of our picks, all of our fantasy football uh, tools, all of our stats breakdowns get that for only 99 cents a week with an annual subscription so make sure to check that out footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe how was vegas it was expensive <laughs> it was fun it was fun uh but uh the more and more you know i remember when i was a kid and i went to vegas with my father when we lived in california and back then the food was cheap, and the idea was that they enticed you with cheap food and cheap hotels so that they could get you to spend your money on the gambling. And now you can gamble anywhere in the country because of Native American casinos, and therefore they need something else to draw you to Vegas. And the way that they draw you to Vegas now is with expensive shows and expensive food with famous chefs. But the expensive food with famous chefs is expensive. <laughs> <laughs> well, you ate Gordon Ramsay's Steakhouse. I ate at Gordon Ramsay's Steakhouse, and it was hundreds of dollars. It's the kind of thing you do once every five years. What did you get? Um, what did you get? Unless you probably, unless you play in the NFL, in which case you do it all the time. <laughs> What'd you order? What'd you get? I got the Beef Wellington, the famous Ooh. Beef Wellington, and the famous Sticky Toffee Cake for dessert. Well, damn! No wonder you spent a couple hundred bucks. That and my amazing. my girlfriend got like an eighteen ounce ribeye. Oh. It was phenomenal. Nice. nice. So. Uh, I did not do much gambling, but I will say that I did go to a sports book and put down some futures bets since it is not legal where I sit right now. Uh, I put my money where my mouth is. I put money on the Buffalo Bills to win the AFC. Okay. I put money on the Dallas Cowboys to win the NFC. Okay. I put money on Kansas City to win the AFC West. Huh. And then I put a $5 long shot what the hell bet on the Minnesota Vikings to win the NFC. Ugh, you had me until the end there. It pays a lot of money. It pays like 150 bucks if they do it. <laughs> um, that was my $5 what the hell long shot. Better in DVOA than their record. What the hell, let's do it. I don't know. Your, your Vegas adventure is giving me the urge to drive to Atlantic City and do... Almost the same thing at like one tenth of the price. Yes, I am. I'm. I'm sure Atlantic City is not as expensive as Vegas, although I'm guessing it's more expensive than it was in the '80s. It's it's not that expensive, and it's also not very good. Oh, okay. They've <laughs> got to have some celebrity chef places and stuff like they've that. Got, they've got some. Yeah, they've got some fancy restaurants mixed in. We also have beach bars, which are not very good in November, but can be a lot of fun. Tiki bars outside in June, July, August that can be a lot of fun in, in Atlantic City. Yes, the weather was perfect. I mean, the weather was 75 degrees and sunny every day. It was fantastic. We went hiking in Red Rock Canyon, which was beautiful. Uh, Tom, are you? A, have you been to Vegas? I have not been to Vegas in almost 20 years. So, Well, um, it's more expensive now. Yeah, I suspect if I went, I'd 
I'm not much of a gambler, so I suspect if I went, I'd want to try the restaurants. But uh, I do most of my restaurant exploring around here at various barbecue places. Yeah, you're in Austin, right? Yes, I'm in the Austin oh. area. Oh, so okay. another one of us who's not where gambling is legal at this point. I believe Texas is not has not Correct. passed legal yet, but it's it's coming. It's coming in every state. Uh, Joey Suck says, "Are the celebrity chefs in AC people from Jersey Shore?" <laughs> <laughs> it's the guys from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And they come down on the weekend, and that's who the celebrity chefs are. Vinny uh, DeVito, celebrity chef. Frank there, I was going to say, there is an Always Sunny celebrity chef episode would be probably hilarious. It would be. It would uh, be. Finding them <laughs> lost in Atlantic City. Um, so we want to preview the games of week 11. But first, because Tom is on, and he is our resident Tennessee Titans fan. We don't want to really preview the Tennessee Titans game this week. Here's the preview. Houston is terrible. Uh, if you want revenge, if Tennessee fans feel like there's some sort of revenge on Houston, although I guess the revenge goes the other way. Houston fans want revenge on Tennessee. They're not going to get it. Tennessee should win that game easily. Uh, I wanted to see what Tom feels about the fact that DVOA really does not like the Tennessee Titans this year, despite the fact that they're eight and two. Um, I will note before you give your thoughts, the other advanced stat metrics around the web are higher on the Titans than we are, hmm. but not as high. Most of the people who do sort of subjective power rankings have the Titans like one or two at this point. Uh, I know that like FPI from ESPN has them like ninth. Yeah. And then we have them 18th. Uh, so I was before the show, I was look uh, in Sunday's game against the Saints. Uh, the Titans scored two touchdowns and kicked three field goals. The Saints scored three touchdowns and kicked one field goal. So normally in that. And so I looked that up. And <laughs> since 1960, which is as far back as PFR has opponent made field goal data, in a, in a query search, teams with the Saints three touchdowns and a field goal are 69-3-1 against teams with two touchdowns and a field goal. Okay. So if you have a game like the Titans did on Sunday, just in terms of the results, yeah. you are extraordinarily unlikely to win that game. Right. And But the Titans won it anyway. And so... <laughs> I think the interesting thing right now is the post Derrick Henry offense, because Adrian Peterson and Dante Foreman are manage, are managing to replicate the 2.7 yards per carry that Derrick Henry had in his last two games. But the passing <laughs> offense has really been basically effectively neutered. And that made sense when they were going against the Rams with Bobby Hart at left tackle. Ryan Tannehill had like a 2.3 seconds, uh, 2.35 seconds average time to throw that week. Hmm. And with the, picks that uh, Matt Stafford threw. They had, they had the easy points on offense, so that so it made sense that they didn't have to do much. Um, you know, New Orleans is still an okay defense. Um, sorry. They're a very good defense, as we'll be discussing in a couple of minutes. Yes. Yeah, so they have a – so New Orleans has a quality defense, so it makes sense that, you know, they didn't have a great game offensively. But I think especially with uh, Antonio Brown and not – or, excuse me, A.J. Brown yeah, – and not much else at wide receiver. They're frankly still 
looking for what they can do that's repeatedly good on offense. And I mentioned this in Audibles this week, that if you look at their scoring drives, it's okay. Uh, they got to score off their two random big plays. They only had two plays longer than 17 yards that game. And they got to score in a short field. Uh, they got to score after converting a fourth down, which is a coin flip. And they got to score when a bad roughing the passer penalty took away an end zone interception. So it's like, Yes, they shouldn't have any issues with Houston with Houston this week, and they play Houston again in Week 18. Uh, they still get another game against Jacksonville. Their schedule's really easy. They're in a great spot. Um, ESPN has been nine in FPI, and also the favorite to be the number one seed because you know their schedule is really that easy, and they don't have to be that good. So they have a lot of leeway f- to get healthier and for the team to improve. But I mean the. So one of the things I wondered about was how many number one seeds have been underdogs at home in the divisional <laughs> round. And it's the Eagles a couple of years ago against the Falcons oh. with Nick Foles. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I think that's it. Yeah. I would wonder which wild card team would make them. Uh, it, they probably will be favored. You're right. They're the favorite for the number one seed. I think even our playoff odds have them as the favorite, like something right. like 49%. And I can't imagine that whatever team wins the seventh seed in the AFC is going to be uh, is going to be favored over them. Yeah, just ballparking it off DVOA, it looks like the Patriots are currently the best bet because they could end up as a wild card beat a mediocre division winner and just end up as the yeah, and that and that game is my it might be a toss up, but I mean uh, the 2010 Falcons were the one of the team I first thought of. They were a one one and a half point favorite against a uh, Green Bay team that was by DVOA just as good as the 15 and one Green Bay team would be the next year. Hmm. Yeah. So that's a pretty rare thing. It's very it's a very strange to see them keep winning in ways that don't feel replicable, but they still keep winning anyway. Right. They, they replicate yeah. the unreplicable win because it was two in a row. Oh, we got a lead, one because of turnovers, one because the Saints can't get out of their own way on offense right now. And then they just hold, held on to a lead, not by, like, running the ball and controlling the ball, but just by holding on for dear life. Yeah. By the Saints missing two extra points. Yeah. And kicking a field goal from the one-yard line. Yeah. And it's really set up – I will say it's set up to make me look really bad. <laughs> because they had all these unreplicable wins against hard opponents. Right. And now they're about to have probably a bunch of replicable wins over easy opponents. Right. And they're probably going to win the number one seed. And by the time we hit the playoffs, Ju- uh, Julio Jones will be back. Mm-hmm. And it's possible Derrick Henry will be back. Mm-hmm. Right. So they could be a better team in the playoffs than they are now. Right. Um, I mean, their defense has been really good, but their secondary is still really, you know, the defensive line has been so good. The secondary is still, I think, really questionable. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at something like ESPN's pass, pass rush win rate, they're still, the defensive line is only average. So they're not really getting quick pressure. It's the secondary is covering for the two and a half seconds to get it out. Uh, to make the quarterback just hold the ball and not throw it to his first read necessarily, and then the defensive line is getting there. And one of the things somebody pointed out a couple of weeks ago is this really looks like a Jim Schwartz pass rush plan. It's, okay, mm-hmm. here's where the quarterback is going to be on his drop. Here, Here's how we're going to manipulate our defensive linemen and set up uh, these twists and stunts and really getting there. And it's much more definite and explicit and specific than it seems like past. Uh, Mike Vrabel pass rush plans have been. Hmm. 
So I think that's, it seems like it seemed like it took about six weeks for that to really show up, but that seems to be really showing up now. And as soon as I, as soon as I read that, I was like, oh, I feel like an idiot for not pointing this out, for not figuring this out. <laughs> um, the really interesting game, I think, is next week. The Patriots may be the hardest team left. I don't have Tennessee's schedule in front of me, but the Patriots may be the hardest team left on Tennessee's schedule. Hmm. Uh, it's that game looks like their most uh, difficult game. And that's that's going to be it's being played in New England. That's going to be a fascinating one because the Patriots are now DVOA's love child after their <laughs> ridiculous win over Cleveland this week, and Tennessee is the team that DVOA hates. Mm -hmm. And the fact is, Vegas feels similarly because I believe that the look-ahead line has the Patriots favored mm -hmm. uh, over Tennessee next week. So, but before we get to that game, we have to play tonight's game. So let's start previewing Week Eleven with tonight's game where i believe in the notes i wrote this one will be quick so, <laughs> yes you did new england at atlanta new england makes the playoffs in 91 percent of simulations when they win 74 percent when they lose atlanta four percent when they win one percent when they lose so i have a great feeling I mean, about the atlanta is not how much dvoa loves the patriots it's how much dvoa hates atlanta you know who else hates Atlanta? Everyone. <laughs> okay. No one looks at no one sees Patriots Falcons on the screen and says, Yeah, this is the Falcons. They're due. This is their revenge. <laughs> this is going to be a walk. And and you can see it, by the way. We all put our Mac Jones articles out simultaneously. Like this is the this is the moment. This is it. They're gonna play, they're gonna walk. He's gonna look even better after this game, and then we'll see what happens in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and I mean, this is Atlanta is 31st in defense, so it is set up for Mac Jones to look good. Yes. Yeah, and on and offense, I don't I don't know if Corderell Patterson is healthy. I, guess they have, I think they have some other injuries on offense as well. So I don't know how they're going to – the Falcons are going to move the ball, and I don't know how they're going to stop the run, and I don't know how they're going to stop the pass. Otherwise, it's a really tough game to, to, to handicap. And I think you could, you could have tried to feel better about Atlanta before last week, and they just got completely – uh, yes. An island by Dallas. So, yeah, I will say, uh, speaking about making Mac Jones look good, PFR has Atlanta with the worst pressure rate in the NFL. Wow. You know, that will make Mac Jones look good. And on the other side, the Patriots are 29th in DVOA against running backs as receivers, which would be really exciting if Corderell Patterson was going to play, but he's right. probably not. He's not going to play. And they are number one against tight ends. Right. The one guy that you could probably name right now on the Falcons. The two guys really, because Hurst and uh, and uh, uh, Pitts, of course. I wonder if the Patriots are going to put J.C. Jackson on Pitts, basically treat him as a big wide receiver and be like, look, that's their best. That's their best guy. This is our best corner. Here you go. It makes sense, especially how often Pitts is either in the slot or out wide especially over the last couple of weeks. They're using that 12 personnel and all, but they're using Hurst or somebody else at tight end and they're putting him in the slot. So it's very possible they do that. Um, because, I mean, now with no Ridley, it's, I mean, how afraid are you of Olamid Zacchaeus? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared. Like, I'm I think scared. Ryan can still play, but he's just got nothing around him. He doesn't have a good offensive line. They have a bad defense. Like, it's, it's Ryan and Pitts, and that's it. Right. 
and, and I've been watching their games, and, and Ryan is starting to fade a little bit too. It's hard to tell, again, because when you have no wide receivers and you're kind of trying to get off of your mark at 30-something and move around and, and, and fire the ball downfield on the run, it's not going to look good, but it does not look good for Ryan. There, I, I, there's so little. By the way, I did look ahead. You mentioned the look-ahead line, and I will say Patriots are three-point favorites against the Titans in a couple weeks. Yeah. That's next week's game. That is going to be a much better game than either New England or Tennessee's games this week. But I will say the thing about blowout, you can still bet on them. Yes. It shocks me that this line moved towards the Falcons today. Oh, my God. It is now Patriots minus six and a half. Oh, my God. I am taking that all day and twice on Sunday, except I'm not taking it on Sunday because the game is tonight. So I'm actually taking it on Thursday. <laughs> I took it already. I believe it was at seven when I took it on a parlay with the under because I don't think the Falcons will cooperate to get over 47 points. I think they'll get hammered. And finally, I took the Patriots defense as an anytime scorer. I believe them at, I had them at plus 450. That is not a bad idea. Right, right. The J.C. Jackson factor, the, just the idea that, this, that, this, that the Falcons are going to be flailing and that they're going to put up a pick six or a strip sack or something like that. The odds are high enough the plus 450 made sense. Insulates me because I took the under. So if they go over because of pick sixes and stuff, I've got a little insurance. Tom, do you want to try to make a case for Falcons plus six and a half? Uh, no, not really. The Falcons look feisty against the teams that beat themselves. And yes. the Patriots don't fall into that category to me. Yep. That's that it. makes sense. Who is Matt Ryan's backup? Josh Rosen! He had to play last week. Who is it? Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen is, yes, Josh Rosen is Matt Ryan's backup. And I believe the third stringer is Felipe Franks. Felipe Franks, also the yeah. their starting wide receiver, tight end, slot guy, and Taysom impersonator. They've Taysom used Hill, him like yeah, they've used been doing other things, right? But yes, Joey Sucks says, who is Matt Ryan's backup? I don't know, but I suspect we will hear his name tonight. Yes. We just did really loud. It always blew out the speakers. Tom, you're so excited about John. <laughs> <There's a good laughs> if I'm going to get a Thursday night game that's going to be a blowout, I want to see interesting, formerly interesting players deep in the game. We may I have Texas high school football playoffs. Hoyer versus Rosen in the fourth quarter, folks. Oh, gosh. You can bet on first quarters, but I don't know if you bet fourth quarters very much. Well, you can bet in-game. You can go in at the end and see if you can get, like, yeah. a spread that you like, which I'm not going to be doing because I hope to be in bed by then. Joey says, Felipe Franks is a name that has a big utility infielder energy to it. And you forgot the extra E in Felipe. It's, it's yes. actually Felipe, kind of, or something. Yes. So the extra E because he's a middle infielder and he commits an error. So there you are. So he is, L.L. Salerno says, Felipe Franks sounds like a poor man's Taysom Hill. That's because Felipe Franks is a poor man's Taysom Hill. Speaking of Taysom Hill, let's move to our second game of the week. Let's go to Sunday now, 1 p.m., and New Orleans at Philadelphia, which this shocked me. This is the most important game of the week for playoff odds. Uh, because Philadelphia is still in this thing. Yes. So New Orleans, 79% of the time with a win, they make the playoffs, 41% with a loss. Philadelphia, 39% of the time they make the playoffs with a win, only 8% with a loss. So basically a must-win game for the Eagles, but I believe that a win puts them at 500 and yes. keeps them in 
that wild NFC wild card race. Yep. And to me, the big story of this game is Philadelphia has tuned its strategy so much to the quality of the run defenses they have faced this year. Yes. Will they completely abandon the run against the Saints run defense that is the best in the league? I think they will. I think they will try to return to that screen pass heavy, misdirection heavy, and deep pass heavy uh, approach against the New Orleans Saints because you're right, number one, in run DVOA, number one, when you watch them on the field, obviously that's the strength of them. And the Eagles have had a positive free overall DVOA over the last three weeks. So they are definitely playing better on both sides of the ball, particularly on offense. Um, the question is, they've done that mostly through getting more balance in their running game. Can they pivot back to what they were doing in weeks one, two, three, four, while not losing the capability? And that's the question, uh, I, one of the questions I have entering this game. I think uh, the Saints, it's interesting, spreading the field against the Saints. The Saints are 32nd when covering other wide receivers. Interesting. Which, in the Eagles' case, I believe would be Quez Watkins. Quez or Jalen Rager if he's the other guy. Eagles have a lot of other. Like, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside has been sort of the other-other for a couple of years now. Does J.J. Arcega-Whiteside even play? Is he even active anymore? He, he was. I saw him get hurt on special teams recently. So he oh, must yeah. be. He must be out there somewhere. Uh, you know, he, he he was early in the year, he was blocking on a lot of those screens. So, yeah, I think we're probably going to see a more of a spread field approach going back to the future a little bit, what we saw earlier in the season. What I'm wondering is how how the Saints offense is going to move the ball. I know Kamara is expected to be back. But, uh, Tom, you watched that game last week. They, they were struggling to do anything offensively until the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah, it's – they didn't – I've had issues with their depth at uh, wide receiver and running back beyond Kamara and then Michael Thomas, who have obviously hasn't played this year. Yeah. And it's like they didn't have weapons beyond those two guys last year or the or the past couple of years, and now it's just Kamara. And without Kamara, they didn't have anything to really threaten anybody. Right. And so uh, Simeon, Trevor Simeon did play a little better as the game went along, but it's almost like they sh you wrote about this in walkthrough today, Mike. It's almost like the Saints should go to the 50 snaps of Taysom Hill, a game offense, and use that as their base just because, you know, if he does, when he does manage to load up the howitzer and the, and the line can protect him well enough to launch one of the deep passes, maybe they can actually, you know, Sean Payton can scheme one up. And then it makes their run game more threatening than just, you know, handing just straight handoffs to Mark Ingram, which is what they had last week. So it's they're they're a rough watch on offense. They're really not an enjoyable team to watch when they have the ball. Eagles are last in DVOA against tight ends, but this is not a weapon for New Orleans. Adam Troutman, this was supposed to be kind of a hot sleeper this year. He's still mm -hmm. kind of asleep. Jawan Johnson was supposed to be a hot sleeper. That hasn't really happened. So I mean. Troutman's catch radius is horrendous. He drops a lot of passes. If, if the ball's not on him, he is not catching it. He's been he was responsible the previous week for a couple of the early game drops that that got the Saints behind in their first loss. So yeah, he, he's not a reliable target there. And they have to turn to him. And, and and you're right, Tom. Like you don't know, like there's no identity to what they're doing right now. It's kind of like block like hell for Simeon, hope somebody shakes free. And the last two fourth quarters, it has, but one was the Falcons going into one of their fugue states. And one was, I think, the the Titans, where it's like, you know, they, they seem to think they were up they were up two scores at some point. And like this sort of lapse kicked in and the lapse got a little too lapsy. Oh, they did find 
it took them a while, but they did find a specific defensive weakness to attack, and they just kind of hammered that for a while. Okay. And uh, I haven't seen the early practice reports on Taron Armstead, but if he's back, that would help. That does help, obviously. The the um, the Simeon thing, it's really weird to me. I don't quite understand the logic behind playing Taysom Hill over Jameis Winston last year mm-hmm. and not playing Taysom Hill over an inferior quarterback in Trevor Simeon this year. And making Taysom Hill the controversy throughout the uh, training camp where Taysom Hill was getting starters reps and Taysom Hill was getting all the practice time uh, in, in preseason games and things like that. What did he suddenly do after three years in this role suddenly do to be like, oh, no, we, we can't do this thing that we were talking about for a couple of years that we did for three games last year. We can't do that. We have to go with Trevor Simeon. It's mind boggling that we suddenly had this change of heart by Sean Payton. Yeah, I don't. Get it. The Eagles do not blitz much, but I do wonder if that will change against Simeon because he seems like a guy you'd want to blitz a lot. Right. I think when he's been able to sit back there, and he has had good protection, he has been able to complete some passes, get some passes on target, at least to guys who drop the ball, et cetera. I mean, I would be blitzing a lot. You don't have to keep your safeties back for any of these guys. There's not a lot of fear that you're going to get beaten by these Traquan Smith-type receivers. Go after them. So the line on this game is Philadelphia by either one and a half or two, depending on where you look. It keeps kind of moving around a little bit. Yeah. Um, It is one and a half right now. And I'm not excited about this game. I'm leaning towards the Eagles. Uh, But, you know, I don't – it's hard to have a lot of um, trust in them because of – how up and down they've been and how many different chameleon changes they've had during the season. That said, I feel like right now they're the better team. I keep thinking that the saints are about to drop off the last couple of weeks. They look like they're about to drop off because of the problem, at quarterback. And so I'm going to keep anticipating that and see if it happens. It's I feel more confident in the Eagles ability to make plays when plays break down than I do in the saints ability to do the same. I think that's true with Simeon at quarterback. (laughs) Um, Yeah, this is a tough one. The the FO plus picks have the Saints, but it's some of it's really dependent on just how much I penalize the Saints for having Trevor Simeon, and that's an estimate. I mean, it's really an estimate. You know, you're talking about two or three games worth of data to try to figure out how good they are really with Simeon versus how good they were with Winston. So I guess subjectively, I kind of lean towards the Eagles also, okay. rather than the Saints. It's a good game to not play. Yeah, it, this is a good game to not play. It's a good game to not play. Uh, <laughs> Indianapolis at Buffalo, also at 1 p.m. This is a good game to play. This is probably the game I'm going to be watching. Uh, Indianapolis makes the playoffs 65% of the time with a win, 31% of the time with a loss. Uh, Buffalo makes the playoffs 99% of the time with a win, 87% of the time with a loss. Like that Jacksonville game really cost them because they were at like 99% or something before that Jacksonville game. Um, It's hard to imagine they could lose this game and drop below 90% in playoff odds. But if they lose this game and the Patriots win, like we expect the Patriots to win tonight, the Patriots will have the lead in the, in the, in the division. Joey sucks says, is there a prop for an indefensible Wentz interception? Well, (laughs) there, I checked, there were no props listed for quarterbacks last time I checked. Usually what you find is that the house puts 
the over-under on interceptions always at 0.5. It's rare for them to go up to 1.5 on that. Um, but I'm joking in walkthrough, which is not yet published, that there should be a uh, blooper, and the, the bloopers for Carson Wentz should be at 2.5. Folks didn't see the Jacksonville game last week. Uh, Carson threw a left-handed pass. He channels his Patrick Mahomes and threw a left-handed pass um, into, into traffic, and it was caught by, I think, Taylor for like a two-yard gain on third and three. Um, he also tried to shot put the ball like this while running out of the pocket. Uh, so Carson is still begging, begging to make the low light reel every week. It's just that the Jaguars were not able to keep up with his with his improvisational brilliance last week. So uh, don't think for a second that Carson Wentz is fixed just because we haven't seen him on the blooper reel for a week or two. They, the, the Bills' defense has been phenomenal this year, and it's not letting go. Like even the Jacksonville loss. Their defense was still awesome. Like yes. that Jacksonville loss is totally on Josh Allen in the offense. Like the Buffalo defense has been fantastic. They're number one in pressure rate, according to PFR. And the Colts are one of the most pressured offenses in the league. So if you're wanting Wentz to do something stupid under pressure, there's going to be a lot of pressure. <laughs> this is your week for that. <laughs> the, um, um, the uh, Colts, I think most of us see the offense is running around Jonathan Taylor right now, both yes. the running game and a level of the receiving game. I believe they're number two in open field yards. No, they're number two in, in second level yards and number one in open field yards. So the one thing that the Colts have really had going through them throughout this is ability to get to the second level, you know, through Smith and Nelson on the line and pick up those chunk yards. I don't know how much they're going to do. I believe the bills are fourth ranked against the run. I think that they're, they are the Bills are third in DVOA against the run. They're, but the right. DVO, their DVOA, the actual rating itself, is basically the same against the pass mm -hmm. uh, and against the run. So I think the Colts should run a lot. <laughs> I think so. I just don't know if you're going to win this game by. I guess that's all, the the avenue to win is to try to run the ball and try to keep it close and hope Josh Allen has another like brownout where he can't compete on. Can't convert on third and short. Can't convert on third and medium. It's another 14 penalties by the Bills. The problem with that is the Colts are 28th in pressure rate on defense. Yes. Yeah. And they are 23rd against the pass, but second against the run. And I think we were talking about the Eagles doing this, and I think the Bills coaching staff is also not afraid to just pass and pass and pass and not run the ball much against an indie defense that is way better against the run than against the pass. Mm -hmm. And the cornerback depth at Indy is really shit. It's you, I don't trust it at all. And I think Buffalo will do exactly what you say. And they'll just uh, force the Colts to, uh, they'll force them to tackle on short passes and they'll force them to defend the intermediate areas. And Allen won't be afraid to take off if the Colts actually do manage to get something covered. So unless DeForest Buckner has a huge game and Allen just sort of brain farts his way into mm -hmm. things, then I think this is probably not going to be a little the league the week's most competitive game no and the colts have so much jets with josh johnson at quarterback and so much trevor lawrence and the jaguars and so much whoever was quarterbacking the week when they faced the uh the dolphins etc so much of that on their schedule you know some of the things i think they look good defensively in those situations i know they stopped derrick henry several times which was impressive but i don't but henry know was injured Henry was injured, in, yeah, in the one game. And then the other game, they didn't totally stop him. They, they slowed him down for about a half. I don't know how great that defense is and how much it is. Well, these are very inept opponents, and we play pretty good on defense. I don't know if that translates to stopping the, the Bills. Colts are 27th against wide receiver one, so big Stephon Diggs game could be coming. Whoopsie, yeah. 
Yeah, I think we know where this one's leading. I think we I, – I, I hope that the last couple of weeks have ended the Josh Allen for MVP conversation. Never. Uh, somebody needs to actually win the MVP to shut down. And yeah, I guess there, there is no MVP favorite. Todd Singer says Colts safeties are off the street FAs right now. Well, that yeah. might get the Josh Allen for MVP discussion back then. <laughs> um, because – uh, yeah, I mean, that team is doing it with defense. The, the the Bills right now are 14th in offensive DVOA. The idea of Josh Allen as the MVP is so ridiculous to me. Uh, and that's not a diss on the team that we have number one and that I just put money on to win the AFC uh, and I think is the Super Bowl favorite. I mean, the only thing reason I didn't put money on them to win the Super Bowl is that I didn't put money on anybody to win the Super Bowl so that if I'm at the Super Bowl, I'm not rooting for either team. Philip, if you're listening, please put a picture on this. Aaron Schott says Josh Allen for MVP is ridiculous. Put it on everywhere. Put it all across the internet here. Let's get some. Let's get some. Let's let's cl- get some clickbait going here. By the way, he's still the favorite at plus two fifty. Allen is, is he favorite. really still the favorite at plus two fifty? He remains the favorite no matter what. He was the favorite after the Jacksonville game and before uh, the, the Ravens game. When you were in Vegas, are you sure you didn't just see a bunch of Bills fans in Josh Allen t-shirts doing shots and taking their mortgages and throwing them at him for MVP? Uh, well, mostly what I saw were Kansas City fans celebrating their win. But okay, well, that's a, um, <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> that makes more sense. The, uh, yeah, I'm just blown away, and I would hope that the other voters understand that that team is doing it with defense and that just because you're the quarterback of the best team, it does not make you the MVP. Plus, frankly, to most of the other voters, Buffalo is not the best team because they're six and three rather than eight and two. I would think they would be thinking of Aaron Rodgers or Ryan Tannehill instead because those teams are eight and two. Or Kyler Murray, who, by the way, Kyler Murray, despite a really bad rushing value because of fumbles, is a much better MVP candidate than Josh Allen. And Dak Prescott is down at plus 800. That's the guy I would vote for right now as president. Right. I think we have to get our brains out of the idea. It's like, well, we'll just give him comeback player of the year, which he is, by the way, at minus 400 at, I just checked. Like, no, he can be he can be both. You can be two things in this world. <laughs> L.L. Salerno says, could Lamar Jackson be the MVP again? Yes. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like it's wide open based on – and if Arizona comes back and gets the number one seed, then I think it probably is Kyler's. If, if Packers get the number one seed, it really is like – it feels like it comes down to the NFC playoff race. That's fine. Yeah. Although again, there's that, you know, if the Buffalo, if Buffalo were to finish 12 and four, let's say, you know, sweep the rest of their schedule, except maybe lose to the Patriots in one out of two, it could be, people could vote for Allen. I would not vote for Allen, but people could vote for Allen, but you're right. I mean, the NFC playoff race, it's absolutely true that the, the MVP is nowhere near decided at this point and will depend a lot on what happens in the last eight weeks. Agreed. Uh, so the line on this game is... This game is decided. <laughs> the line on this game is Buffalo by seven. Yeah, I'm taking it. I'm taking Buffalo. I worry about them because they are slow starters. We saw that in a couple other games, but I, I think that if we were really going on the merit value quality of these teams, they'd be probably a nine or 10 point favorite. So I'm going to go with Buffalo minus seven. Tom. Uh, yes. 
Right at seven is tricky. It sets up the uh, uh, 29. Uh, we're, we're up uh, 10 points, and then they score the meaning of slate. Uh, I'd still lean Buffalo there. It's. I, I think I lean a little bit towards Indy. I think if it was less than seven, I'd go Buffalo. But at seven, the possibility of the of the push at seven, I think I like Indy a little bit to cover. All right. All right. I don't see the back. I don't see them backdoor covering, but, but you know, seven is a little high against a team that has had some success this year. No, I would think less than a backdoor cover. It would be controlling things with the running game until okay. Buffalo finally like goes ahead at the end, kind of thing. All right. All right. I can see that. I can see that. Um, next game we want to discuss. Let's move to four p.m. Cincinnati at Las Vegas. Ooh. Two teams that DVOA does not like. Cincinnati, <laughs> 40% make the playoffs 40% of Sims when they win and 14% when they lose. Las Vegas, 41% when they win and 14% when they lose. Las Vegas is currently 23rd in DVOA despite a winning record. Cincinnati is currently 25th in DVOA despite a winning record. I'm glad to see those odds up there because in my rough draft of the game previews, I call this a play-in game, like a wild-card play-in game. So, like, the loser's eliminated. And it looks like the loser is indeed eliminated from uh, wild-card contention in this virtually. Um, one thing to uh, point out is that um, Raiders rank 30th in first-quarter offensive DVOA, and they rank 24th, 24th in first-quarter defensive DVOA. So, Raiders in the first quarter, it wasn't just last week against the Chiefs. They are genu- generally – letting themselves fall behind in these games. Now, the Bengals are also slow starters. I believe they're like 25th in offensive DVOA. No, they're 31st, actually, in offensive DVOA, but they're fourth on defense. So the Raiders want to win this game, and they want to get back into this. I think they have to start out strong. I think it's good they're going to face an uphill battle, Strong out, start out strong. They don't want to be playing from behind again in this game. Uh, Vegas is 27th rushing against Cincinnati's run yes. defense, which ranks 10th. Yes. Uh, Vegas running game is much better on first down than second or third. Mm-hmm. And they just lost Alec Gold, so they lost their fullback. And that's they a team lost their fullback. Uses the fullback. About 10, 15 snaps a game fullback, especially in the running game. So that was one of the things I had written down here, too. They need they they need some kind of running game. They're not the Bills that have, like, 15 other strengths and be like, yeah, our running game, we don't need it. We'll just throw the ball. They need a little bit of balance to get Derek Carr effective. They're, they need that to control the clock a little bit. They need something they can hang their hat on. That's not it. And another thing I wrote down, and it might be in your notes as well, I believe they're 30th against short passes. And the 30th? I, I didn't check, but uh, yeah. yeah, hit me. I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't short, write that one down, but yeah, I believe you. Okay, 30th in short passes. And their depth, you talked about the Colts' depth. Folks, folks were talking about that. The Raiders' depth in the secondary is not very good at all. Some obvious reasons why that's the case. And they've got Jonathan Abram in coverage a lot. He got attacked regularly by the Chiefs. He's going to get attacked regularly by those Bengals receivers and by uh, Azuma and all the things that the Bengals can yeah, do. Yeah, they have a lot of uh, – well, Nate Hobbs got hurt. They have a lot of a guy named Brandon Fashion. Yeah, he's bad. Who yeah. used to be yeah. with the Chargers, who's not very good. He bad. Um, and, and, what, and what's left of Desmond Trufant, who got yeah. beat – Pretty bad. I don't remember by who, but there was definitely one play where he got beat pretty bad against Kansas City. 
Right. So that's your guy covering Chase. And you got you you have to have Jonathan Abram on the field every snap. He's almost like got that Jamal Adams type of thing where it's like I would think it would be Casey Hayward covering Chase. Okay, actually, no, you're right. It'll be Hayward. It should be Which Hayward. is a little better. It is better. Uh, but they've got three great they've got three good receivers, right? I mean, despite the really great season Chase has had, you know, Higgins and Boyd have not wowed, but they're still talented. Yes. Yes. This is a tough matchup for the Raiders overall. Um, Vegas excels on first down defense. They're fourth. Okay. And they become 27th on second down and 23rd on third down. Yeah. And yeah. they also, this is interesting about their pass rush. Max Crosby had a good game, despite the fact that Kansas City's kind of schemed around him. Yeah. They yeah. blitz less than any defense in the NFL. And huh. Burrow gets blitzed less than almost any quarterback. Well, they spread that field out so much. And I think when you game plan against the Bengals, you're like, I'm going to find a weak link on that five-man front. They're not going to be, have any max protection in there. I'm not going to try and blitz and get burned on the back end. I'm going to try and win with that. So, like, the, I think the one avenue – you mentioned Crosby. The one avenue to victory in this game, I feel like, for the Raiders is him going absolutely ham and yeah. tearing things up in there and just causing so much disruption that Burrow, you know, can't get the ball downfield. I don't want to say gets hurt, but gets sacked frequently is off his game. Yeah, between him and Ngakwe yeah. and Carl Nassib. I mean, they've had a good pass rush this year, but it just did not get to Mahomes. You know, they just moved Mahomes away from that backup right tackle and he got the <laughs> ball to his receivers. Uh, and I don't remember who plays right tackle for Cincinnati, but hold on, I'm going to check. Rice. Right. Isn't, it, isn't it Rice? It is ah. Riley Reef. yes. Reef. Yes. Right, better Reef. than what Kansas City put out there, but it's not like great. No, no. So they'll get some wins on the front four. I just don't think you can get enough wins on the front four to solve all the problems you're going to have on the back end, all the problems that are starting to sprout up on offense. And, again, the possibility that early in these games they go out there and, and, and you know, don't necessarily have their act together in the, the first quarter of the game, and you're already playing from behind. I wondered if this could be a big Darren Waller game. The Bengals are 20th against tight ends. Mm. And because I think from what I've seen with the Raiders lately, they're missing that consistency on offense. Waller's numbers it, have been down the last four or five games compared to yeah. what they were back at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And, I, and how much Carr was feeding him early in the season. And, you know, Brian Edwards was a useful role player, but he's not a guy who can really be the uh, – key chain mover in your offense and you know maybe we'll see a little bit more of deshaun jackson because without rugs they really without henry rugs um they really needed that deep threat yeah and jackson moved the safeties back for kansas city there's no question he's you know despite the fact that he did whatever the hell he did on that play (laughs) he did the thing he's supposed to do which is he did stretch the field and move the safeties back when he was on the field it's just he was only on the field for like 10 or 12 snaps i don't remember exactly but it was not most mostly it was zay jones and zay jones is not scaring anybody no no you're not going to replace henry ruggs in midseason with deshaun jackson yeah you will get some of that but uh, by the way, the Waller prop you mentioned that time—that Waller prop is way up at seventy-one point five. I would not touch that right now. His numbers are down, and even if they try to feed him the ball, it might be a thing where you're 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 force feeding a guy, and he's covered. You know, that he's not going to get the ball downfield. I might prefer the Uzuma prop. 
because yes. Vegas is 29th against tight ends. Right, and part of that is, like you said, Fasion and uh, and Abram, and there is Abram having cover guys. Ooh, the Azuma prop is way down at twenty eight point five. Oh yeah, that see, I like that one better. It's, it's so exciting. I might do it though because it is, and two point five receptions too. So yeah, it I would give me an idea to write up for ESPN best bets. Yeah, because it's I wouldn't take the receptions. I take the twenty eight point five because like he gets free for like a thirty yarder up the seam, and then you're done. You don't have to worry about him catching another ball. Joey Suck says it has to be so hard to be in the Raiders locker room from a human perspective right now. I have to imagine the players are fairly demoralized with all that's happened. I mean, you know, I sat there, I was at the game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so I sat there and listened to the interviews afterwards and they tr- are trying to not, they're trying to not sound like this is an issue. They're trying to sound like they, they we've got our act together and we're moving right. forward. And, but no, I, I've got to imagine that it's got to be pretty tough, especially if you were friends with Henry Rose. Yeah, that seems to me like a much harder situation to deal with than, your, than what happened with Gruden. With whom? With Gruden? Oh, you mean what with, happened with Gruden? Right, with the because players. it's not like any of them were like personally like friends with Gruden and were upset that he got fired. Like they probably were closer with the special teams coach than they were with the head coach. So right. the fact that the, I mean, you're right when you talk about the fact that Gruden being gone probably hurts their preparedness for things like third downs and red zone because he was such a stickler for detail on those things but as far as like the intangibles of coaching you know i can't imagine that that's like depressing right your head coach but the the thing with rugs is depressing i think you're a great i I would agree with that yeah because like with gruden some people are like oh i I saw the emails he's a racist mf goodbye some of just like he cursed me out 15 times goodbye whatever let's try something else It, it all has to stack up to the point now as the season gets on where the guys start to get one one eye on the golf clubs. You hate to say that, but like with, and they're still in the playoff hunt right now. But like they're one loss away, one setback away from saying, you know, I can go, I can just stream it at this level for the rest of the season, and then I can be playing golf on January 9th and not worry about this stuff. And I know that like some of the older guys, that's how, that's how they start to. Get well, started. that's part of why this is a big game because whoever loses this game kind of goes into that mindset a little yep. bit, and whoever wins this game is very much in the race. Yep. Uh, Cincinnati is favored by one. I think our FO plus has the Raiders. I believe we do have the Raiders. Yes. Uh, but I don't see it. I, I, I don't see it from the matchup standpoint. I don't see it from sort of the big picture standpoint of one team coming off a bye, another team coming off sort of a, a, a probably a pretty tiring, exhausting Sunday night game. I don't see it from the injury standpoint where you, you keep losing a guy. Yeah, you lose rugs and you lose Ingle. Well, Ingle's not a big deal, except you already lost rugs. It's like you're constricting from both sides here. I'm going to go with the Bengals. Um, so what are you playing, Mike? Are you playing the Bengals first quarter line or are you playing the under in the first quarter? Oh, that's the thing. I was going to do that. I would probably go under on the first quarter line. Let me check that. By the way, I need your voice in my ear every time I place a bet going, I need that because it was <laughs> some of the bad decisions I make. Okay. The over under for first quarter is 9.5. I would go under 9.5 again, because I have two deep offenses that are slow starters. So I might play that, but it's only a one point line in the first quarter. I'm not touching that. Yeah. Um, uh, looking at the game overall, I am leaning toward Cincinnati. It's I just don't want to 
I just don't trust what I've seen from Vegas lately. Right. Yeah, I guess I would lean towards Cincinnati too, despite the fact that the FO plus picks have it Vegas by half a point. Um, this is, I would stay away from. I feel like this is a pretty 50 50 game, and I would stay away. I like that Uzuma yardage prop. That's what I like. Go, roll with Azuma. That's, that's our that's our play of the week on this one. Uh, the game that is considered the biggest game of the week, although it's not for playoff odds, but it's, you know, obviously a really interesting game, is Dallas at Kansas City. Dallas makes the playoffs 99% of the time when they win, mm. 97% when they lose. Kansas City, 84% with a win, 63% if they lose. More importantly, Dallas wins the number one seed, uh, gets the NFC number one seed twice as often if they win this game than if they lose this game. So that's what it really matters. It matters for Kansas City getting in and winning their division, and it matters for um, it matters for Dallas uh, for the number one seed. They're in the playoffs probably whether they lose this game or not. Right. And the Cowboys are coming in. Everybody's thinking shootout. Cowboys are coming in with the fourth ranked defense in DVOA. Yeah. Number one against number one receivers. Of course, that's the Trevon Diggs factor with all these interceptions. Yeah, that's the co- that's the interceptions, I think, more than it is yards. But they're low yes. on yards, too. Yeah, they're low on yards. And, and also, Cowboys number one on short passes, which is I think is a recognition, as you've been watching, if you've watched Diggs' game, he can he is vulnerable deep. If he's isolated one-on-one on a receiver, he's given up some deep passes. I don't think he's going to be one-on-one with Tyreek Hill going deep a lot. But the Cowboys have been very good at sitting on some of the shorter routes, getting turnovers by a couple of different defenders, and also by allowing, disallowing a lot of the short passes as well. I think Dan Quinn is more likely to go away from his historical patterns and play two high safeties against Mahomes mm-hmm. than Gus Bradley was. Right. Gus Bradley was pretty locked in on that. Uh, he was pretty locked in on cover three on first and second down, and he only went to two high safeties on third. Right. Aaron, do you have the Kansas? I think you tweeted out the Kansas City run defense splits over the He's last up to tenth in the last five weeks. Yes, they were worst in the league for the first five weeks, tenth for the last five weeks. Wow! And that has that's why you know I thought Dallas might say, okay, we're just content to just run the ball on the ground, just uh, and really try to quote unquote control the pace of the game. But Kansas City, and especially since they've moved Chris Jones inside, they're not quite as much of a punching bag as they were earlier yes. in the season. So I think this could be less of Dallas tries to just run the ball and control the game, and more Dallas just looks to try to score points and say, okay, um, we're going to just challenge Patrick Mahomes to beat us by making good decisions, and uh, we'll play too high and make them execute down the field. I think uh, another reason for Dallas to pass the ball, Dallas, 45% passing DVOA on first down, which is third in the league, versus 0% when they run, which is seventh. But Kansas City is the worst defense in the league against first down passes compared to eighth against first down runs. So you should come out and be against your normal pattern and pass the ball against Kansas City on first down rather than running the ball against them on first down then run it on second, like second and short or something. This would be a great time for Kellen Moore and, I guess, McCarthy. He does something there. uh, To come out with one of those really intricate early game game plans that we saw earlier in the year where we saw Zeke and Pollard on the field at the same time, but they were – one was in the slot. Uh, They were using it for screen pass, swing pass opportunities. 
using them to bring the defense up, and then you could go over the top. It was more with the tight ends in the in the, in the past. Now they've got their full con- uh, complement of receivers back. Do some of that stuff and try to take an early lead. Do need to point out we now have C.D. Lamb back in the slot for the Cowboys, which is not something we had earlier. Yep, because we've got Gallup back. Yep, got Gallup back. He's he's playing boundary. C.D.'s in the slot, and I don't know who covers the slot. I don't think anyone covers slot uh, receivers for the Chiefs. Uh, so that can be that's that's potential headache fuel for for the Chiefs defense. Uh, I will also point out that the Dallas of uh, Dak Prescott is among the most blitzed quarterbacks in the league this year. So Steve Spagnolo loves to blitz, and opponents have blitzed Prescott all year. Hasn't necessarily worked, but right. uh, Kansas City, I'm guessing, is going after him. Uh, have you looked at? Uh, the weekly splits in that because I thought I think with their, some of their offensive line injuries that you might see oh, a no, I did not weekly split for Dallas. TFR, but th- that would be interesting to look at the weekly splits. Right. I'd be more likely to blitz them when they had a couple of the guys out and they had Tyron out and they got the guys moved around. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Because I thought, I, I mean, from what I've seen of Dak, I thought, I think he's handled the blitz well this year. I, I Blitzing doesn't seem like the right strategy unless you don't just trust your cover guys. It's just, I mean, but it's what Spagnuolo loves to do. So right, I I think Spag will do it. I just don't know if it's the right call. Uh, Kansas city is favored by two and a half. Cowboys and under, I want to point out that the under is way up at 56, something like that. Um, This is not going to be a shootout like that. Okay. Like you, we we talked about how, you know, the, 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 uh, Run defense for the Chiefs has improved. We talked about how the Cowboys' defense is better than anticipated. I don't see this game going all the way up to 56.5. So I'm rolling with the Cowboys and the two and a half and the under. And you can get that, by the way. I got that yesterday at plus 265. So I'm loving it. I'm feeling Dallas, Dallas plus two and a half, too. Okay. I'm feeling Dallas plus two and a half, and I like Kansas City to be better than, and I think Kansas City is better than where they are in DVOA. I do feel like their offense is going to rebound to be maybe the best in the league for the rest of the year. Um, but I mean, I think Dallas is really, really good, and so I think if you're going to get, give, if you're going to give me Dallas and some points, I'll take the couple of points. Uh, were you and I the only two who picked Aaron, uh, who picked Dallas to the Super Bowl in our preseason predictions, Aaron? I yeah, I well, I know I did. I picked and, yeah, and I did. And I, I think we this is the two. Super Bowl. I picked Dallas, Kansas City as the Super Bowl. Okay. Yeah. And so I'm really looking forward to this game from that perspective. And, you know, it's uh, like the like you two. I lean Dallas in the points, and I do think under is probably a good call, even though they may start out passing. Uh, even, even if they do start out passing rather than trying to uh, run the ball. Uh, let's finish up with, uh, well, first of all, Kyle Lutz has a question, which is, if each of us was a pigeon, which starting quarterback would we poop on? <laughs> I mean, my first response is to not poop on a quarterback, but to poop on someone else like Tyreek Hill. But I guess I'd go with Roethlisberger to punish him for prior misdeeds, plus he has no mobility left to get out of the way. <laughs> I am going to every bird feeder and every little park bench for every little lady I can find and getting all the breadcrumbs I could possibly handle. I'm going straight to Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't think uh, my pigeon poop is enough to like overstate like some horrible things other humans have done. 
but for this whole anti-vaxxing thing for the last month, it's happening. It is happening, and it's happening to Aaron Rodgers. Tom? Uh, for some reason, Daniel Jones popped into my head for no <laughs> And I can't really justify that at all, but that was like my first reaction. It's like, Daniel Jones. You're, you're in New York. You're a pigeon, so you're in New York. Or you're in North Jersey. You're, you're like the good feathers, right? So you're going to go. You're going to poop on Daniel Jones. You're going to go to the Scorsese statue afterwards. Perfect. All right, let's finish up with Pittsburgh at the L.A. Chargers. That's the night game for Sunday. Pittsburgh makes the playoffs 67% of the time if they win, 35% if they lose. Chargers, 73% if they win, 44% if they lose. And I think we should talk about this game with the idea that Roethlisberger is going to start because right. if Mason Rudolph starts, then the Chargers are your clear favorite. Right. The line... Uh, which is around uh, Chargers minus five and a half. I'm trying to find it right now. Sounds Mason Rudolph y to me. Yeah, it's now it's Chargers minus six in the Vegas Insider consensus. And that yep. does sound Mason Rudolph. It does sound Mason Rudolph y to me. So, but I don't yeah. know. I mean, there is a drop off, but when I watched Mason Rudolph, he looked like just very much impersonator Ben Roethlisberger. I didn't know that when Ben Roethlisberger got old and lost his fastball. 27-year-old Mason Rudolph was also going to start throwing, under-throwing all of the passes to all of the receivers, and yet that's what it looked like in that tie against the Lions. Uh, Chargers are a good defense to have a backup quarterback against, I think, because yeah. they're the worst run defense in the league. So if you want to ride Najee Harris, this is a good game to do it. Right. Uh, is that likely to produce many points, even against the Chargers? No, but it'll control yeah. the clock and <laughs> and it'll I mean it'll do well. Their run defense is terrible. Steelers run defense is also not phenomenal. And they're gonna be without TJ Watt. Is that correct? I'm not sure. What is the scoop I on I believe TJ that they're without TJ Watt. He suffered an injury I thought was going to be for a while. Um but even when he was healthy and in the game, I know he missed some time in the game. The vulnerability, and this is not a great matchup for Austin Eckler and the Chargers, the vulnerability there is that you can run right up the middle against the uh, Steelers, as the Lions did, if you do not fall behind and let them kind of come after you with the pass rush. I will say Adam Schefter reported that the MRI on T.J. Watt's knee and hip came back negative, and he may not miss any time. That was a okay. couple of days ago. Okay. So it is still up in the air here. So still up in the air on TJ Watt. Okay. As of one hour ago, defensive coordinator Keith Butler did not sound overly optimistic that the Steelers will have TJ Watt available this week. Mm. Uh, that is from uh, the beat writer of the Post Gazette, David Lolly. So it, it, let's call it like I, I trust. I trust beat writer today more than I trust Schefter three days ago. Makes sense. I would agree. There's also some problems on the Chargers end. Uh, Tillery, who we often talk about here, uh, he's on the COVID list. And I believe, was it Joey Bosa is also on the COVID I list? I believe Joey Bosa yes. is on the COVID list and is unvaxxed, which makes it less likely he'll be able to come back for this game. Boy, that guy had a big sign on his forehead saying, I'm going to be an unvaxxed player, didn't he? Anyway. <laughs> anyway. It's, so it's hard to talk about this game like three days out with all of that going on. But let's, yeah. but let's do so. <laughs> let's, let's go. Uh, Steelers are fourth against short passes and 20th against deeper passes. And there's been a lot of discussion the last couple of weeks, I think, about the idea that Joe Lombardi's offense may be neutering Herbert by having him throw short so much and not deep. And this 
would seem to be a defense, especially if there's no TJ Watt to hurry you up. This would seem to be a defense where you want to go deep, not short. I would agree. Yeah, uh, when I was looking at the when I was when I was looking at Tannehill stats earlier, I just noticed that Herbert also had a lot of the real quick game, shorter throws, uh, and so it's like uh, Tannehill, Herbert, and Mac, and a couple backups, and Ben, of course. Yeah, one thing I'm looking up here, I'm trying to, in my mind, besides Mike Williams, who they go to deep. Who do they go to deep in uh, in, in the, the, the rookie Jordan. Palmer, Josh Palmer, and Jalen Guyton? Okay, yeah. that's not like uh, a murderer's row of deep receivers here. So I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to pull it up quickly on Sports Info Solutions. I mean, you could run Keenan Allen on a 20 yard route. Yeah, it's uh, the Deep routes, they seem to be attacking or like the deep over route and as opposed to a pure vertical route. So I really do, but it does seem like they're not doing enough to attack the intermediate area, sort of like eight to 20 yards downfield. It's a little little bit too short, their passing game right now, from what I've just sort of casually seen. Chargers Chargers are um, 30th against tight ends, so it could be a big Frermuth day. Every day is a big Fremuth day. He's the, he's the star of the show out there in Pittsburgh. Yeah, uh, just looking at some of the stats, backing up what you said, Tom, that's the case. I can't pull – I can't, like, add it up in my head here. Not a lot of targets in sort of, like, the 10 to 20-yard range. And the targets that you do get, it's Allen, it's Williams. Yeah, the other guys are Guyton and uh, and Palmer. They're trying to use Jarrett Cook as a downfield t- target, which is, eh, you know. So yeah. so that's not that's not an area of strength for the Chargers offense. For the – for the uh, yeah, hmm. Yeah. All right. So Chargers minus six. It's too early to make a pick on the game until I know the quarterback. I would not touch this with a 10 foot pole until we knew the quarterback. <laughs> uh, I checked uh, the sports book. I normally check it and they don't have the game listed. Okay. That means we might be getting news soon. Um, if I had to, if you say you've got to make a play right now, cause we're putting it in the parlays into a time capsule. I would probably take the risk on the Cowboys and, excuse me, the Steelers yeah. and the points, thinking, well, if we get Roethlisberger back, we get Watt back, or they can manufacture like through their running game and through special teams tomfoolery of the Chargers, you can you can get a cover there. I would go with the Steelers. But, again, we're, we're flying a little bit too blind here. I'm with you. If I had to bet it based on the idea that it's 50-50 Rudolph and Roethlisberger, I would go with Steelers plus six, but I would really not want to. Um, The fact that it's minus six in the first place tells me that we're expecting to see Mason Rudolph on Sunday night. And in that case, the Chargers, then I would expect the Chargers to cover. All right. So you like the Chargers minus six? At the the current uncertainty level. Yeah. Yeah. Rudolph Yeah, I'd expect that one to change before game. It's definitely Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh is in the situation where they don't need one quarterback for the future. They need two. Yes. Yes. And it's bad that they put themselves in that situation. They do have Dwayne Haskins hanging around. The fact that it keeps being Rudolph is speaking to us about Haskins at this yeah, point. That is that is true. All right, folks, that does it for our Thursday game preview show. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for subscribing to the show, especially if you listen to us as a podcast afterwards. Make sure you rate the show so people can find the podcast. 
Don't forget our limited time offer for FO Plus to get all our advanced stats and splits, fantasy football research, picks against the spread, which are uh, like 10 games above 500 this year. Uh, only 99 cents a week, footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Thank you to everybody who comments during the show. Thanks to Tom for joining us. Thanks for Mike, as always. Scott Spratt will be here tomorrow at 1 o'clock Eastern to uh, talk fantasy and get you ready for your DFS slate. And I will be back Monday to wrap up Week 11 and preview Monday Night Football. Until then, everybody, enjoy what is probably tonight's Patriots blowout. I know I will be. So long. Josh Allen for MVP. Josh Allen for MVP. <laughs> <laughs>